0: sunday night football jackson takes it himself look at him turn back and forth oh he broke his ankles now he's got an entourage and there is your dagger welcome into the podcast it is nfl picks with gabe week 11 it's an Everything Burrito Production as always. Really excited to have you this week. And uh let's briefly recap last week. How did we do? Well, we went eight and five straight up and eight and five against the spread. So a winning record against the spread. I am always gonna take that. Always happy to have that for the year. That means we're 86 and 41 straight up. And against the spread, we're 63 and 65, so hoping to get above 500 uh, this week a little bit a little bit embarrassing but we're gonna, we're continuing to rebound here it's uh it's a good thing and we're happy with our picks this week we're excited for them. so let's get into the games. Um, we're talking first about Atlanta at New Orleans and these are two teams that are that are different <laughs> than they were just a few weeks back. Um, Atlanta is really dependent on wide receiver health. That that is like the number one thing that you need to know about the Falcons when it comes to if they're going to win or lose. Uh, Julio Jones's health has factored in greatly to a disappointing season, especially early on. When Julio wasn't healthy, the the Falcons couldn't uh, hit on all levels. Then Calvin Ridley went down. Calvin Ridley is a big part of their offense as well. He should be back for this one. He's nursing a foot injury. So Ridley and Jones being healthy and you think, well, there we go, we're good. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Drew Brees is out for this game. Star quarterback for the Saints, Drew Brees out for this game. He's got a rib injury. So that means uh, the pick six champion of the world, Jameis Winston, stepping in. And maybe this just kind of feels like, well, pretty obvious. Atlanta's got their receivers healthy and Jameis Winston, who just... He throws to the other team as much as he throws to his own, is stepping in for for Drew Brees, who is a Hall of Famer and a legend. So you might kind of feel like, well, slam dunk, um, we're, we're going to take the Falcons on this one. Not so fast. And the reason behind that is, think about the rest of the Saints team. Think about how well they've been playing. Think about their defensive unit, because they've grown over the course of this season. Uh, Cam Jordan, of course, he's always consistent. He's always playing awesome. Demario Davis. He's a gamer. He he gets up for everything and just absolutely aggressive in the run game. Uh, you know, even even their defensive backs, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Janoris Jenkins, this Saints defense can play. And I'm not saying that they're going to shut down the Atlanta Falcons, but the Falcons are very one dimensional. Uh, Todd Gurley's not who he used to be. Obviously, we all know that by now. And so. The Falcons are going to have to just throw the ball all over the yard if they want to win it. That means the Saints defense can pin their ears back, come after the quarterback, and play coverage. It's that simple. So the Saints defensively have an enormous advantage here in just knowing that they can dictate the game. Let's talk about the Saints offensively. Now, the Atlanta defense has been improved under Raheem Morris. That, that part's true. And yet, they're still a defense with a lot of weaknesses. And meanwhile, the Saints have Michael Thomas fully healthy, Emmanuel Sanders fully healthy. That's a big deal. And their offensive line has played very, very well. Latavius Murray, obviously, power back, doing, doing well. And Alvin Kamara, who is one of the best players, full stop, in the game. So Jameis Winston steps into a spot where, yeah, he just needs to be a game manager. Winston's not going to do that he's going to push the ball down the field he's going to take some risks let's say Winston even throws a few picks Uh, with the Saints defense I'm saying big deal and I think you're going to see a different offense Sean Payton has had time with Jameis Winston this year look at what he did with Teddy Bridgewater last year the Saints didn't miss a beat with Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback instead of Drew Brees last year they went 5-0 with Bridgewater So I think very easily you could see the same thing play out. Winston, there was a reason Jameis Winston was the first overall pick in the draft uh, a few years back, 2012. But he's a very talented quarterback. And in many ways, he opens up the offense to be able to do things that they couldn't do with Drew Brees. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing that Brees went down with the injury. But maybe, maybe this opens things up for the Saints in an interesting way. And I just think you're looking at a game here that uh, the Saints are being undervalued at this point. They're being looked at as, oh no, Breeze is out, they're going to be terrible. Don't forget about their defense. Don't sleep on their offensive line. Don't forget about the weapons that they have. Winston is going to be capable of leading this team to a blowout victory. And in fact, I think that's just what's going to happen. I'm going Saints 42, uh, Falcons 17. Uh, taking uh, the Saints to easily cover that four-and-a-half-point spread uh, for for the win against the, the spread and the win straight up. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville is our next game. Now, you saw the Jacksonville Jaguars really, really hang tight with one of the elite teams in the Green Bay Packers. So now they're going up against another elite team, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers now last week I was a little nervous about the Steelers because Roethlisberger it looked like okay he's he looked injured against the Cowboys we didn't know how he was going to be you know the whole COVID thing we weren't sure how that was going to go but of course Roethlisberger looked great against Cincinnati and the team looked really really good overall Um, so Pittsburgh comes in here nine and a half point favorites which is understandable because again they're they're exceptional on both sides of the ball and, you know, Roethlisberger looks looked solid, so that's that's good. Their running game really hasn't been up to par, but other than that, they've looked really solid. But this Jaguars team is very pesky. Jake Luton is a better quarterback than, than he probably gets credit for. James Robinson is actually a really good running back. Um, so that's going to continue to be a factor. And their defense is like I said, pesky is the right word for this Jacksonville team. They're pesky and they hang around and they're the kind of team that gets a backdoor cover. They're the kind of team that that gets that last touchdown in the game just to make it look tighter than it was. And I'm not saying that this couldn't be a blowout. In fact, you know, very, very possible that this could be a blowout because the Steelers are on paper, much, much better team, you know, and you hear kind of this thought that it might be a trap game, you know, because the Steelers have that matchup with the Ravens coming up. Um, yeah, might happen. I think the Steelers will win this one handily, but at the same time, uh nine and a half points is a lot to to lay with a, a Jaguars team that that has been uh pretty much staying in games recently. So um I'm I'm gonna take the Jaguars to cover that nine and a half point spread. Steelers to win straight up. Let's go Steelers twenty seven, Jaguars twenty, and uh yeah, so so Jacksonville covers covers the spread there, but the Steelers get the victory. Um, Detroit at Carolina, this game has two quarterbacks, both of who are are dealing with some injuries. Matthew Stafford's thumb has been an issue. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's knee has been problematic, not the one that he injured a few years back, but, uh, his other knee has been a problem. Um, so the quarterbacks are kind of getting the headlines that way, but let's, let's look at this game outside of those bounds. Uh, Detroit. DeAndre Swift has been a revelation for the Detroit Lions. He is absolutely—he should have been the starting back from from the word go. But now that he's finally starting, now that he's finally getting touches, this Lions offense went from eh to kind of scary. And uh, it looks like Kenny Galladay is on track to play this week. And and if you listen to this pod, you know Kenny Galladay's presence in in the, on this Lions team absolutely means a ton for this this offense so we're looking at Galladay back we're looking at DeAndre Swift really taking his role and this is going up against a Carolina team that has an anemic defense a, a just straight up bad defense now I'm not saying the Lions defense is great they're not but they had some young secondary guys who are starting to put it together. You got Trey Flowers up there on the defensive line. It's not like they put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. I'm just saying like Detroit's stop unit may slightly better than Carolina's. And Detroit has those dynamic weapons in Swift and Galladay. You know, it can be argued that Carolina has some dynamic weapons on the outside with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But, you know, with Mike Davis starting running back and I'm saying, hey, look, Mike Davis has been good filling in for Christian McCaffrey but he's not Christian McCaffrey. So I'm looking at this on two different levels. Uh, One is even with the injury, I'm taking Stafford as the superior quarterback to Bridgewater. Then I'm looking at Galladay being back. That's a huge deal. And I'm looking at Swift uh, coming into his own. And I'm saying the Lions offensive weapons are superior to what Carolina has. And I give Detroit the edge on defense. So I mean, that's just my way of looking at it. I, I know that a lot of people are looking at Carolina as the better team, but I, I think you got to keep up with what's been happening in recent weeks. Um, Carolina's one-and-a-half-point favorites, um, so I guess this is an upset special. Um, Detroit 23, Carolina 21, taking Detroit to win it straight up and yeah cover that one-and-a-half-point spread. Speaking of one-and-a-half-point spreads, The Washington Football Club is favored by a point and a half over the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals, we mentioned earlier, got blown out of the water by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Burrow got destroyed and yeah, they they didn't look good. Uh, Absolutely. And this Washington defense is stout. We've talked about that. We like this Washington defense. This uh, defense can really make things happen. And they're led by Chase Young, who I am personally a huge fan of. Chase Young is a great young player. He's going to be elite if he's not already. Um, But Burrow is a bounce back guy. Burrow is tough as nails. He is tough as they come. And he hangs in the pocket and he bounces back. He takes some big hits and he bounces back. And you're going to see Burrow have a good performance here i don't think there's any question about it joe burrow is not the kind of guy that has back-to-back weak performances and he was terrorized by the steelers that's true so here he's gonna get he's gonna get in touch with t higgins tyler boyd his targets um his line is weak that's okay he can play with it see burrow is fast tracking his way into into the conversation of being one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl that's a big factor in this one for Washington, you got Alex Smith, who, who, you know, he put up some yards last week. Um, I'm not saying Smith is terrible, but he's he's a guy who's going to check it down a lot. He's a check down Charlie at this point, which is great if you got J.D. McKissick in a PPR league. But uh, for actually winning the game, that, that makes it tougher. Now, Washington's coming into their own. Ant- Antonio Gibson is playing some really good football right now. He's a good running back. And he's a dynamic playmaker. And they got Scary Terry McLaurin, um, who's who's also a great playmaker as a wideout. But I'm just looking at it, and I, I see uh, a strong Washington D. It's true. Uh, coming up against uh, Joe Burrow. And I, I think Burrow is going to put up his points. I think Alex Smith is going to struggle to keep up with that. I think Cincinnati gets a lead, and I think they hang on to it. So I'm going Bengals 22 Washington football team, 17. The Bengals, again, one and a half point underdog. So again, upset special. We're taking Cincinnati to win this one straight up and against the spread. Let's talk Patriots at Texans. Uh, The Patriots are a team that is dynamic running the ball. And we've seen that fade, but mostly that's because of injuries. So now they're back to that team they were in, in the front of the season, in the first few weeks of the season, where they're really running the ball well. And their big weapon right now is Damian Harris. Damian Harris is, he's a dynamic power running back, is what he is. And to go along with Cam Newton, and to go along with the emerging Jacoby Myers The New England offense, it's not spectacular and it's not going to be because they don't have uh, those kind of spectacular weapons, but they are solid and that offensive line with Unwenu and Shaq Mason and all these guys, they're, they're really, really solid and they can run the ball all over you and that's most teams. Now you're talking about the Patriots going up against the Houston Texans who are among the weakest run defenses in the NFL. That cannot be emphasized enough. One of the weakest run defenses in the NFL. And no matter what J.J. Watt does about it, he's only one guy. So the Texans are going to get victimized here. I mean, just no question about it. When, you, when you're when you looking at probably no greater disparity in, in any game this season than between the Patriots' ability to run the ball, the Texans' inability to stop the run, and then if if you switch to the other side of the field— Uh, you got Duke Johnson or, or, you know, if David Johnson, you know, comes out of concussion protocol, then David Johnson, but either way, one of the Johnson twins, there, uh, running the ball against this Patriots team. Uh, the run game is going to be dominated in this game by the Patriots. If, I mean, think about this is just football schematics. The run game sets up the pass game. If you can't run the ball, you can't win. That's that's pretty much it, period. Look at those teams that run the ball just a handful of times in a game, and you're going to find that they pretty much always end up with an L. And so in this game, you got Belichick uh, just just facing off against Romeo Cornell here. Um, and I just think Belichick's going to know exactly what kind of game script to follow in this one. He is going to run the ball straight down the Texans' throat, Uh, He's going to make sure that he plays deep safeties so that uh, Deshaun Watson has to take the underneath stuff and try to be patient all the way down the field. That short passing game for the Texans has to be their run game because their run game is not going to exist, and I just, you're in a really tough spot as the Texans if you want to pull out a win here. You'd have to play perfect pretty much Um, just based on the disparity of those matchups, so In this one, uh, I'm definitely taking the Patriots to win. Uh, We're going to go Patriots 29, Texans 24. I respect Deshaun Watson a lot. I just don't think he can single-handedly power this Texans team to victory. That's the thing about the Texans. I I love Deshaun Watson. I love J.J. Watt. Two of the best players in the game, but they're surrounded by nothing on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, respectively. So you know, what can they hope to accomplish? So anyway, Patriots 29, Texans 24. Uh, Patriots two and a half point favorites. We'll take them to cover that and get the straight up win. Uh, let's talk Philadelphia at Cleveland. The Eagles are a team that, as soon as you put trust and confidence in them, they're going to melt on you. Um, I, you know, it's crazy. I I'm still hanging on to this idea that Carson Wentz can be the 2017 Carson Wentz, that Wentz that was bordering on an MVP type player. And he's just not that guy anymore. Um, it's sad, but he's he's not. And he he's regressed in a huge way. His accuracy is not good. His mechanics are all over the place. His decision-making is bad. And so we get all excited. Hey, oh, Alshon Jeffrey's back. Oh, great. They're, he's going to play better now. Oh, Miles Sanders is back. Oh, Carson Wentz will be able to be back to the old quarterback that he was uh, a few years ago. Sure, yeah. Oh, you know, let's believe this hype. And then he goes out and lays an egg against the Giants, right? So, you know, at this point, we just have to accept who Carson Wentz is. I, I still want him to be 2017 Carson Wentz. Um, I still want him to be that guy that, you know, powered a, a, a team at the end of the year last year and got him to the postseason. He's not that guy right now. And part of it, I think, is he he just doesn't have the mental energy to continue to deal with the lack of personnel around him. And he just gets assaulted on a week-to-week basis. And think about this. Now he's going up against Miles Garrett this week. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to get tormented. He is going to get completely snowed under uh, by the Cleveland pass rush. So, you know, Philadelphia in this one, um, I just, I do not believe in this team. They are so inconsistent. They are so bad. And Cleveland, on the other hand, they're getting stronger. Nick Chubb, you saw him last week. He looked like the old Nick Chubb, and he's he's right back in it, right? And and Philly's defense, I give them some credit. Philly's defense is solid. They're solid up front, anyway. And that's something that you know it's like great. They they might be able to slow up Chubb a little bit, but then Mayfield's got Kareem Hunt to to dump the ball off to uh, Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, Austin Hooper. Uh, this Cleveland team, while they've been a little inconsistent themselves, I I really believe in them, uh, especially comparatively to the Eagles and with Nick Chubb back, this Cleveland team is very different. They are much, much better. So Cleveland in this one, three and a half point favorites. We're taking the Browns to win 31 to 20 over the Eagles. And you know, I expect it to be kind of a snoozer, um, Tennessee at Baltimore I kind of find both of these teams a little disappointing to a certain degree. Um, let's talk Tennessee first. So the Tennessee Titans against the Colts, they looked bad. Uh, they couldn't get a pass rush. Um, they they weren't they weren't stopping anybody. Uh, their their run defense looked poor. Um, you know, Derrick Henry is a great back, but I feel like Tannehill just doesn't have that same spectacular element to him as he did last year. Um, So they're struggling. And A.J. Brown is a dynamic receiver, but you got to have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And, you know, so far this year, um, Tannehill's been very inconsistent that way. And even defensively, like, we talked to Jadavian Clowney. If you watch him play by play, Clowney gets strong push, and he gets a nice pass rush, but he just never—he's just never quite doing enough to get a (laughs) sack— And that's kind of, it's like you need, you need your highly paid, uh, mercenary of a defensive line player to be the kind of dude that just straight up wins his matchup and gets to the quarterback like that. You need him to be in his face just right away. And that just hasn't been clowny. Um, still solid against the run. That's great. But, um, you know, you can always go somewhere else and exploit Rashawn Evans here in Tennessee. Anyway, Tennessee's been disappointing. How about the Ravens? The Ravens have been very disappointing. Uh, You haven't seen the Ravens team from last year. And one of the big reasons behind that, Marshall Yonda's gone. He he retired. Okay. So you've got that all, all pro guard and he's gone this year. And now Ronnie Stanley is injured. And that's a huge deal because the Ravens are a team that's built on their offensive line. And if they don't have that offensive line, they start to struggle. Because you've seen Lamar Jackson in recent weeks, he's not the same quarterback he was last year. I don't think that's necessarily Jackson's fault. I'm saying he doesn't have the same protection as he used to have. So there's that. And of course, uh, the run game is impacted by it. Last year, Baltimore ran the ball at will against everybody. And, And part of that was Mark Ingram and... Uh, you know, Gus Edwards, uh, you know, just playing very well, but, uh, and obviously Lamar Jackson playing very well, but you know, really part of it was a commitment to the run game and that they were able to commit to the run game like they were because of that dynamic, uh, offensive line on the other side of the ball, um, Baltimore has struggled to stop the run on, on defense, which I, I I love this Baltimore team defensively. But wow, New England certainly found some weak spots when it comes to the Ravens. What did they do? They ran the ball straight at undersized linebacker Patrick Queen, play after play after play, and the Ravens had no answer for it. So that that brings us to this week. Okay, so what do I think is going to happen here? Um, Well, I think Tennessee is going to run the ball straight at Patrick Queen, play after play after play, and see if the Ravens have an answer for it. Now, I don't necessarily think they do, but I think the Ravens' secondary is good enough and Tannehill has played so inconsistent that I don't see Tennessee exploding offensively. On the the other side, Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to look better than he has in recent weeks because, look, the Titans don't have the ability to get pressure on him. So even with some of his offensive line out, I could definitely see Lamar Jackson looking better this week. Now that said that the running game just hasn't been efficient either. So in reality, I expect this one to be kind of low scoring. I expect to see Tennessee really stick around in this one, but I think the Ravens, I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens will be victorious. I'm going Ravens 20 Titans 17, and we're going to pick the Titans to to stick within that six and a half point spread uh, for them. Okay. The Dolphins at the Broncos. The Broncos. Oh, what what a disaster. I don't know. I mean, Drew Locke is a quarterback that has been so frustrating because he has the physical tools. At times, he puts it together, and then sometimes he just looks awful, like he did against the Raiders. And this Denver team really has nothing going for it right now. Um, like I, I've said this in the past in the pod. I, I love their future. I love the direction they're going with things. But at this juncture, <laughs> this Denver team really just, they don't have anything going for them. Um, their defense has been banged up, so, so they don't have anything going on there. Jerry Judy is injured this week as well. Uh, Noah Fant has been dealing with injuries. Um, so, I mean, they have good pieces. Uh, Garrett Bowles has been playing out of his mind as a left tackle this year. That's great, but that doesn't equal victories when you don't have the rest of your team all put together. Uh, For the Dolphins, however, they are rolling. I I think people are still late to this Dolphins party. People still don't understand how good this Dolphins team actually is. Because, uh, you know, and this isn't just Tua Tonga-Valoa, because they would be doing this under Ryan Fitzpatrick as well right now, but it it really doesn't matter. It's plug and play, right? Because, you know, you saw this, Miles Gaskin uh, out, Okay. Salvin Ahmed in, and Ahmed played great. And it kind of doesn't matter who they got back there. Why? Because the Dolphins are doing well in their offensive scheme. Their offensive line is holding up. Devontae Parker is a solid piece at wide receiver. Mike Gesicki's a, a solid piece as a tight end. And they just have a solid offense. Um, but that's not the key to the Dolphins' victories. The Dolphins' victories, it starts on defense for the Miami Dolphins and they are a very good defensive team. It's it's of note though that their defense again it's not personnel based. This is Brian Flores to me as a coach of the year. Brian Flores is coaching out of his mind right now. So what what they're doing on defense, so much of it revolves around Kind of these amoeba defenses where it's like you've got no guys set before the line of scrimmage. So the quarterback doesn't know who's rushing, who's dropping into coverage. I don't know, right? So it, it plays on this confusion to the quarterback. And absolutely, you are going to see that happen to Drew Locke in this game. I, I probably, I don't see a bigger, uh, it, to me, the Dolphins should be favored by like 10 points here. And, you know, may, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. I don't know. But the Dolphins are going to blow this team out of the water. I'm so confident in this that that they're just going to blow them out of the water because Brian Flores is just that good of a coach. And he is rolling right now. Drew Locke is already looking confused. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Drew Locke this weekend uh, against this Dolphins defense, against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard in the secondary? Can you imagine him victimizing them with his banged up wide receiver crew? I I can't. So, uh, you know, I see Tua... Continue to roll, and I'm seeing the Dolphins win this one, let's say 33 16, and that's being generous uh, to the Dolphins, or I mean to the, to the Broncos. Um, Miami, I got them as three and a half point uh, favorites, easily covering that. And yeah, I, I just think this one's heading for a blow up. Well, speaking of uh, teams that get blown out a lot, let's talk about the Jets, the New York Jets at the Los Angeles Chargers. The last time we saw the Jets, they were hanging tight with the Patriots. Um, and this is another case where, to me, you got to stick with who are these teams now. Because we have a tendency to define teams by what they did in the past. And I get it. The Jets, the first however many weeks of the season, they lost every game by double digits. That's insane, right? And you see this one. Yeah, Joe Flacco starting again. And, you know, the Jets team, they have an anemic run game. And... Their passing defense has been awful all of those things are true um and yet they stuck with the patriots Uh, a very good team in the patriots and they stuck with them why well because their their offensive skill position weapons are actually pretty darn good uh on the edges jamison crowder brashad perriman and denzel mims not to mention uh the offensive line is actually pretty solid um Mikai Becton is such a solid left tackle as a rookie. He is going to be, you know what, I will say right now, he looks like somebody that's going to develop into one of those once-in-a-generation type left tackles. Love Mikai Becton. Anyway, um, the point of this is the Jets' offense hasn't looked pathetic. And their defense has played better. Their defensive line is really engaged right now. And I, I get it. Um, their, their secondary has looked bad. And in fact, it's interesting. They actually released Pierre Desir, one of their top cornerbacks. So you kind of have to say, hmm, they're like 32nd against the pass, right? And you're going up against a Chargers team with Justin Herbert, who is just been out of his mind. Very, very good this year. Uh, Joey Bosa is probably coming back from that concussion. So he's probably going to be available in this one. Um you know the Chargers look on paper like wow, yep, this team this team will smoke the Jets and definitely, you know what, the Chargers will definitely win this game. I, I'm not in doubt about that. But Jets, I, I um, Pigskin Pickham has them as eight and a half point underdogs. I'm comfortable in, in picking the Jets as eight and a half point underdogs because despite the things we talked about there, uh, Justin Herbert being on fire and Joey Bosa coming back. Uh, you know, the Jets are not as bad as the public seems to believe they are. And the Chargers don't have a run game to speak of. Their defense has been inconsistent. You know, there's a reason. They're a 2-7 team, right? So, and yeah, basically a 2-7 and seven team shouldn't be favored by 8.5 points in almost any situation. So yeah, I'm taking the Jets to cover that spread. But I'll take the Chargers to win this one over the Jets, 26-20. to 20. Uh, Green Bay at Indianapolis. You saw the Colts team look really impressive against the Titans last Thursday night. So, you know, people are all in on that. Um, Green Bay struggled against the Jacksonville team uh, that, you know, a lot of people thought they should have blown out. So in this one, a lot of people maybe maybe siding with, with Indianapolis. Indianapolis two and a half point favorites in this one. Um, that's a little puzzling to me. Because you're looking at Aaron Rodgers, one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. um, Maybe the premier quarterback in the NFL at this point. Just absolutely lighting teams up. And he's got Alan Lazard coming back for this game. um, Almost assuredly this time. Um, so, So, you know, I get it. The Colts have Xavier Rhodes and that's great. He can shut down Devontae Adams. Probably not. Honestly, Devontae Adams has always... Had Xavier Rhodes' number, so uh, watch that matchup. That's an interesting one. But then you got uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who emerged with a big game last week. You've got Aaron Jones a week healthier. Uh, Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon could both be uh, in the lineup for this one. You, you know, I mean, just an embarrassment of riches offensively. David Bakhtiari is is back and another week healthier. So this Green Bay offense is is loaded up too. Now, I'm not saying the Colts' defense is really, really good, so I expect to see them uh, limit Green Bay a little bit. Uh, Meanwhile, Phillip Rivers and the Colts, yeah, they looked really good against the Titans, but the Titans' defense has no playmakers. Say what you will about the weakness of the Green Bay run defense. It's real. It's there. Um, I could see Naheem Hines or even Jonathan Taylor having a nice game uh, against this Green Bay defense. And yet Green Bay's defense has playmakers. Jair Alexander and Kevin King will likely be back for this one, which is a huge deal. They were not out there for the Jacksonville game and Green Bay had scrubs playing cornerback in that game. So Jair Jair Alexander, a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate uh, back out there for Green Bay. That's a big deal. And Christian Kirksey is another week healthy. You know, Kenny Clark has been playing very, very well. You got Rashawn Gary starting to come on for Green Bay. They've got defensive playmakers. I'm not saying they won't get gashed in the run a little bit, but I would be shocked. Honestly, you know, this one, I'm very confident in a Green Bay victory here. Um, I get it. They're underdogs, two and a half point underdogs, whatever. Uh, I'm taking Green Bay to win this one. Uh, We're going to say 23 to 19 over the Colts I could see it being low low scoring to a certain degree because like I said I respect that Colts defense Darius Leonard is one of the best players in the game uh he's he's fantastic um but you're going up against Darren He he's going to get his points and you know I think the Green Bay defense can make enough plays to limit the Colts let's talk Dallas at Minnesota um Minnesota in this one seven and a half point favorites um, which is really interesting to me you're looking at a Minnesota team that has not been good this year now I get they just beat a, a Bears team um, you know pretty definitively Dalvin Cook has been really really good and the perception is that the Dallas run defense is poor and you know I'm not saying on paper yeah seem, seems like it but Dallas continues to get healthier and uh, they continue to kind of solidify defensively. Trevon Diggs continues to come on as as a young corner that's coming into his own. Um, you know, it, no doubt about it. Minnesota has the matchups here: Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and, and Dalvin Cook out there. Some great offensive weapons for Kirk Cousin to throw to. But Dallas's defense has looked better and better each week. In fact, the last time we saw this Dallas defense, they they were pretty limiting to Ben Roethlisberger and the undefeated Steelers. In fact, this entire Dallas team hung with the Steelers. And now in this one, uh, Andy Dalton is projected to be back. And you might say, well, what kind of a difference does Andy Dalton really make? I don't know. But I know that he brings a certain stability to them. And they still have good offensive weapons. Uh, Dallas, you know, they, they were overrated for a long time because people didn't understand how meaningful it was that their offensive line was so banged up. And in this one, it's true. They, they still are going to be missing Lael Collins, and they'll still be missing Tyron Smith. That's a big deal. I'm not trying to underplay that. But, you know, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott didn't just disappear. And in this one's Zach Martin is back. So that's a big deal. So I think Dallas has actually started to be underrated, which is crazy because they're a very rarely underrated team. Uh, I think Andy Dalton coming back here, obviously, like I said, it solidifies them a little bit. Minnesota's defense and Dallas's defense are actually kind of comparable in some sense. They have some, some nice weapons, but overall they're a little young and unproven. And yeah, I I just, I think you're going to see Dallas hang with Minnesota here. Um, ultimately the Vikings should absolutely get the victory. If they don't, that that's a black mark on the Vikings, but, um, yeah, I just, I just think this one's going to be way closer than what national projections are, are looking at it as. So I'm going to go Vikings 24, Dallas 23. Um, might come down to a field goal, who knows? But uh, I got Dallas easily covering that 7.5 point spread. And yeah, Minnesota getting the win straight up. All right, Kansas City at Las Vegas. So, you know, Kansas City, we, we talk about Kansas City. They're one of the top teams in the NFL like just, just an unbelievable team. Why are they so good? Uh, Well, because Patrick Mahomes tilts the field. Patrick Mahomes always tilts the field towards the Chiefs. And Andy Reid is spectacular as a coach. He designs his concepts. His plays are so well-designed. You watch him, you you watch him and and some of the stuff he's coming up with, it's just vibrantly unique. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a top tight end. You got Lev Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and uh, you know, Tyreek and all that. So yeah, Kansas city is darn good. And defensively, they, they have some good playmakers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Jones and Teron Matthew and all those guys. Um, and their secondary is super underrated, Bashad Breeland and, um, well, Legarius Sneed, but he's out. But anyway, just so many of those guys are underrated. And so Kansas city, probably the top team in, in the league. Uh, if, if you look at those things, Um, but they're going up against a Raiders squad who I feel like is very underrated and a Raiders team that beat them the last time in Arrowhead, um, this season. And I think the Raiders really match up well with the chiefs. Mike Mayock designed this Raiders team. Think about this. He designed this Raiders team to beat the chiefs. Um, how so? Well, think about the way that Josh Jacobs is the centerpiece of this Raiders team. He he wants to slow the game down with Josh Jacobs, and then you got Darren Waller, who is probably the top tight end in the game, fastest tight end in the game, that's for sure. You got playmakers out on the edge in Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar, and Derek Carr, a, a very competent quarterback, somebody who's he's not he's not going to have unnecessary turnovers he's going to be able to take a shot now and then but more than anything he's going to possess the ball and he's going to uh, run time off the clock and that Raiders offensive line they're grinders right they grind you down um they're they're such a quality run blocking offensive line and the Raiders defense has been looking really good now part of that might be because they were going up against a mediocre Broncos offense last week but you know Jeff Heath with uh uh, AFC player of the week honors there with a couple picks. picks. Um, Max Crosby continues to get nice pressure uh, inside and, and you know, they need some more guys, Cleveland Farrell and, and these guys, they need more defensive linemen uh, that can really scare you. But I like this Raiders team. Now I know they're dealing with maybe some COVID protocols this week. So their entire defense is kind of like in question for this game. So that's kind of a crazy thing to, to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I just love this Raiders team and I love the way they match up with Kansas City. With that said, when you got Patrick Mahomes uh, for Kansas City, you're always the favorite to win it. <laughs> Pretty much always the favorite to win it. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win, but I'm taking them to win by a narrow margin. We're going to say Kansas City 31, uh, Raiders 28. So Las Vegas covering that six and a half point spread, but Kansas City getting the straight up victory talk Los Angeles Rams uh, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, uh, we don't know who's showing up, right? Is it going to be the team that barely found their way past the mediocre Giants? Is it going to be the team that got blown out by the Saints? Or is it going to be the team uh, that we saw last week against Carolina who just destroyed Carolina? So Tampa Bay has not been consistent. On the other hand, the Rams defense has been very consistent and they have... Uh, they have wrecked some games, and it's not just Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers, right? It's the secondary. Um, they they have some playmakers out there in the secondary. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, of course, doing his thing. And I get the Buccaneers have all these weapons, but week to week, they're they're not always the same team, and their defense is very boomer bust. Uh, we've seen Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean have really good games. We've also seen them blow some huge assignments over and over again. I love Antoine Winfield Jr., Sean Sean Murphy Bunting, these guys, but they're a young secondary and they're not always assignment sure. And Sean McVay, as the Rams coach, is going to be able to take advantage of that. So, you know, in this game, uh, Tampa is uh, three and a half point favorites. Um, to me, that's too generous to a team that just two and three weeks ago looked abysmal. And yeah, they had one good week against Carolina and all of a sudden we're all over them. I don't know about that. Um, I I like the Rams in this one quite a bit. Um, I'm taking the Rams to win this one straight up. Upset special. Uh, Rams 27, Buccaneers 26. And since the Rams are three and a half point underdogs, we're taking them against the spread as well. So let's talk fantasy just briefly. Few guys I like a bit more than what they're being projected at this week. Um, so first off, I want to say Cleveland defense, uh, is one I like quite a bit this week because you're going up against a Philly team where Carson Wentz has been really, really mistake prone. And you got Miles Garrett who by himself will get at least one sack. So, you know, you're looking at sacks and picks and, and maybe, um, you know, shut, shutting them down quite a bit there in Philly. So I like the Cleveland defense, um, same same game, just talking about Dallas Goddard. Um, He's another week healthy going up against Cleveland. I think you're going to finally see him come into his own a little bit there. I love Alan Lazard this week in Green Bay. Um, his return against Indianapolis, it, it's always a good thing. You target that second wide receiver when you're going up against an elite corner. Xavier Rhodes has been really, really good this year, so... Uh, he's going to take Devonte Adams that leaves Alan Lazard with, uh, you know, number two and three corners. And I think that he can, uh, really make some yards with that. So, uh, Terry McLaurin is another one I like this week. Um, against Cincinnati the reason I like him so much is because I think Cincinnati is going to be leading in that one quite a bit. And with Washington trying to come back, I think McLaurin will see some additional targets and he'll probably do pretty well. Uh, Keenan Allen against the jets like that a lot. We already talked about Pierre Desir being let go this week, uh, for New York. So Keenan Allen has an inexperienced secondary and one that has been torched week after week. So definitely see Keenan Allen having a good day there. Um, I like Salvin Ahmed quite a bit against the Denver Broncos. Cause again, I, I think Miami will be leading by quite a bit. And I think they'll be trying to take the air out of the ball and Salvin Ahmed will probably be the recipient of quite a few carries, um, Damian Harris against the Houston Texans. Uh, This is one I love because you know Belichick's going to pound the rock against the poor run defense of the Texans. Pretty much a play every week for me to say whoever's going up against the Texans, they're probably going to do even better than what the projections are stating. Uh, I love Derrick Henry against Baltimore this week. Uh, Again, last week you saw Belichick really, really exploit the Baltimore run defense and Patrick Queen in particular. I like Patrick Queen. I need to say that. I like him. He's a sideline to sideline kind of linebacker, but he's a little light in the pants and he's somebody that a guy like Derrick Henry is going to go after. Matthew Stafford, you know, a lot of people are wondering this week, is he is he healthy enough to even go? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm saying if he plays, With DeAndre Swift opening things up and Galladay being back and Marvin Jones being who he is and TJ Hawkinson out there, I can see Matthew Stafford having a big week against Carolina. And finally, my last play, I love Jameis Winston this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Love him. Uh, To me, Winston is a big play guy. He's going to stretch the field. Sean Payton's going to use him with some interesting things. Um, I could see Jameis Winston being the story of the week. In fact, Uh, I'm calling for it. I'm calling for a big blowout by the saints of the Falcons. And I think you're going to maybe, who knows, we could even see a quarterback controversy, uh, in new Orleans due to this injury to breeze. We'll see. Um, but with the week's prep time, I think you're going to see Sean Payton have Jameis Winston ready to go. And, uh, it's probably going to be a lot of fireworks over there, uh, with the saints that is going to do it for the podcast this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a, a great weekend. Enjoy the NFL action, and I'll see you right back here for week 12. This has been NFL Picks with Gabe, and Everything Burrito production.